You're listening to Strange by Nature, your guide to the strange, weird, unbelievable, and improbable wonders of the natural world. Thanks for being here today. I am Kirk Mona, and I am joined today by Rachel Ginza and Victoria Thompson. We are all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. So much fun stuff is about to happen. Yay! Uh, a little different here this week. We have another special guest. We have Ellen from Just the Zoo of Us podcast. Say hello. Hi, friends. It's so nice hey, to Hey, Ellen. Hi, Rachel. Great to have you here. I'm so excited. Um, for those who maybe aren't familiar with your podcast yet, can, what, tell us tell us about it. What do you, what do you guys do? Yeah, so... We kind of like y'all, like we kind of go back and forth between doing like strictly co-hosted episodes and guest episodes where we bring folks on to share their expertise and knowledge. Um, But our whole gimmick is that we review animals. We give them ratings out of 10 in uh, the categories of effectiveness, which is physical adaptations, uh, ingenuity, which is behavioral adaptations, and then just aesthetics, which is just how nice this animal is to look at. (laughs) So we're kind of giving a full report card for each animal that we talk about on the show. Um, So when my husband and I do episodes together, it's two animals. When it's a guest, they usually talk about um, just one. And it's a really great time. We talk about all sorts of crazy uh, a lot. I try to aim for like bringing some animals you may have never heard of before. Oh, that's uh, our favorite thing to do favorites. here. Right? Indeed. <laughs> now, I, have to, I have to ask. I have not heard, uh, you know, all of your episodes. Have you talked about the sarcastic fringe head? No, not quite yet. <laughs> I am. I, you should. It's and beautiful. I, I really want to know what ratings you give it on appearance. I also uh, do. I personally, I've seen it. I've seen the pictures okay. of it. Mm-hmm. I could really go either way. It's kind of like a, it depends right. on the mood thing, but I think I would probably skew low um, because I typically look for something with a lot of really like theatrical, maybe colors and really well, like it's pretty, pretty interesting markings, stuff like that. Ugh, you're breaking um, my heart. The Ellen. Only pictures I've seen of them are like, sandy colored although maybe it's because of that like effect of when you see them underwater a lot of the light Mm -hmm. is like not coming through so Mm -hmm. uh, maybe i haven't seen them in a more flattering light they can be kind of rainbow colored but they do look sort of like a rainbow colored demon spawn so (laughs) we'll chat later we'll chat later uh well thank you for being on uh it's really fun to hear what you brought for us i'm kicking things off this week and this week, look, I'm I'm talking about spiders. Yes. Uh, okay, I, but we've talked about spiders a, before, Kirk. I know, I know. I don't have a particular spider in mind. Uh, this isn't a story about a spider like that's bigger than your head or anything like that. It's it's simply are there spiders about, bigger than my head, Kirk? We'll we'll talk about that later, Rachel. Um, it, this is simply a story about how much spiders eat. Um, oh, okay. As it turns out. Spiders are efficient hunters, and there's a lot of them. So uh, what really got me thinking about this was a research paper published back in April 2017 by Martin Neifler and Klaus Burkhofer. I hope I said their names correctly. You nailed it. Uh, This was in the -hmm. the, the journal uh, The Science of Nature, also known as 
Here we go. Naturwissenschaften, which is one of those great German compound words. So the title of the article uh, really says it all. The article is just called An Estimated 400 to 800 Million Tons of Prey Are Annually Killed by the Global Spider Community. Whoa, that's a lot more food than I expected. Gives it away, right? Tons? Uh, Like 2,000 pounds? Tons. Like... When you say what? Well, <laughs> metric tons. Oh, actually. that's worse. Um, yeah. So it blew my mind when I read this. And and, and naturally, we, we can't go out there and measure the weight of every animal eaten. So this, as a title implies, this is an estimate. Uh, but as an interpretive naturalist, I like to help people visualize meaninglessly big numbers. So it's easy to say 400 to 800 million tons. But what does that really mean, right? Uh, first of all, I do want to acknowledge... Uh, <laughs> that that's quite a range. Yeah, just uh, a bit. The, the difference is 400 million tons between the two numbers <laughs> is quite a lot. So there's there's some variation, some variables at play here. But uh, either way, we're talking about a staggeringly large number. And as as I alluded to, these are not U.S. tons. These are the slightly smaller uh, metric ton, which is 2,204.62 pounds. Um, so I thought it'd be really fun to try to uh, put it in perspective. On the high side of this estimate, uh, spiders are globally consuming, let's put it into pounds, 1.8 trillion pounds of prey. Annually. <laughs> uh, That's powerful. That, that is big. But again, I can't totally picture that. So I wanted to crunch the numbers for you I don't guys think anyone can, can picture that, Kirk. That's a, it's truly exactly. so far beyond the realm of I will never experience any quantity in the trillions. Like at any like Not scale any I could physical perceive. Way. Right, Not even like right. breaths now. of air that we breathe <laughs> in our lifetime. Yeah. No, no, it's it's bizarre. Now, Rachel, you you may have some trouble picturing it, so I'm going to put it in a unit of measure that uh, may make more sense to you. Um, we're going to put it in units of Rachel's. Beautiful. Now I know, <laughs> I know. On the show, usually a Rachel is a unit of height, and yes. I am not as impolite to ever ask Rachel her weight. But just a quick sort of you know random estimate I came up with. Uh, shows that spiders consume somewhere around 11 billion Rachels per year. That's too many Rachels, Kirk. <laughs> well, so both watch all, your too back, many Rachels. Rachel. Right. Both, both um, not only it, for like me in general, but like <laughs> just me with other, like are they clones of me? Or are there other Rachels who are about well, that's, the same that's size? that's going beyond the scope of what I'm really talking about. Right. All, all Rachels about your size. But that brings up a good point of if we consider that a Rachel is sort of like an average size human, um, think about it. There's 8 billion humans on Earth now. Awful. Spiders would eat 11 billion so per all year. of so spiders eat humanity more than the entire biomass of humanity <laughs> on Earth annually. Not a lot of people know this, but spiders are actually uh, Rachel specialists. They're hyper specialists oh, in they oh, only I'm sorry, eat Rachel. Rachel specifically. I need to talk wow. to my spiders. I can't you survived so long. They've I need to talk. Like, to, they've been waiting uh, for you. <laughs> I need to talk oh, to my true. residential like Have a good night, Rachel. spiders here. Yeah. Have a meeting of the council. Yeah, make yeah, sure that we that, our deal again, of paying I, rent is still in place. 
<laughs> I can't really picture ele- like 11 or even 8 billion people either. So uh, let's try something else. Now, it is, it's not really grilling season uh, in the Northland uh, where we are. It's probably still grilling season down where uh It is Ellen grilling is, season but- if you try hard enough, Kirk. And that's exactly what I was just going to say, Rachel. I mean, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really, two feet of snow up here don't really stop people from grilling, you know, oh, but you just have to bring a shovel with you. <laughs> well, how, okay, let's stop then, Rachel. How much snow do you guys have up there right now? It's two feet where I am. Uh, we just uh, compacted down from 40 to 34 inches. So, But you were at 40 inches? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of snow. It's up to my hip. It's um, great. <laughs> Ooh. There, there were places when I was out hiking and with the drifts with kids where, yeah, it was almost up to my up to my hips, which was uh, interesting to do with <laughs> kindergartners where it was almost over their head. But oh, anywho, uh, since we're talking about grilling, um, let's talk about cattle. Humans like to eat cattle. Uh, so how many cattle would spiders eat? Turns out 1.3 billion cattle so per year. Um, all again, the cattle? Um, you know, I didn't actually look up how many cattle are on earth. Um, that's a really good question. Hmm. So I'm just going to ignore it and move on. Uh, <laughs> I let's don't move understand on to it that, and I won't respond to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a good question that we'll, 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 uh, maybe we'll have to look that up after the show and, and put it in the notes. Uh, I, if we move on to things that we can't eat, cause we're going to, we're going to, we, we need some bigger things here. Uh, I drive a two door mini Cooper. Uh, they are small, but, you know, they still weigh about 3,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Spiders could eat the equivalent of 588 million million uh, Millie Coopers. Millie Coopers, jeez. <laughs> Millie Coopers? A lot of blah, blah, that's a lot way of more than, that's again. way smaller than a Mini Cooper. I know, right? A, a Millie Cooper is just teeny tiny. How many Millie Coopers are there in a Giga Cooper? <laughs> well, there's a thousand Millie Coopers per Cooper. There's, yeah, I don't know. A lot. Spiders could eat 588 million Mini Coopers, essentially half a billion per year, you know, if they like to eat cars. So we got to get bigger. How about a fully loaded school bus? Now we're talking the With whole bus, children? three kids to a seat. With children, yep. Uh, fully loaded, Dark. about 30,000 30, yeah, 30, pounds for a school bus. Spiders could mm-hmm. take down 58 million school buses plus the kids inside. In one year, it's Kirk. That's dark, staggering. All I'm hearing it, is that it, we need to. Be I'm not suggesting. Super I'm not grateful. suggesting this. We need to be super grateful. We should be every day just counting our blessings and considering how, how overrun lucky with insects we, are. we would be. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey, well, uh, hey wait, wait. Spiders L- of the world. Lucky that spiders don't eat us, or lucky yes. that spiders are eating all the insects for us. Lucky I that suppose. we are too large for a spider to eat us. Yes. Usually, yes. Yeah, I think I saw a movie somewhere where that happened, but I'm not sure that that was a documentary or not. (laughs) Um, So these numbers are still hard to picture, so we're going to go bigger. I looked up a 747 jumbo jet fully loaded with passengers, fuel, and cargo. That weighs in at 910,000 pounds. Uh, So if... If jumbo jets like a 747 were food, spiders could eat 19 million jumbo jets every year. That's starting to be something. We're, we're getting into something I can picture here. I still can't picture 19 million jets. Not quite. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh, keep, wow. keep in mind, though, that in the 54-year production run of the 747, Boeing only produced 1,574 of them. Cool. Uh, 
So spiders are going to be awfully hungry really quick. They're ready to yeah. move on to uh, the school can, buses. Exactly. Someone can do the math for like how many how many seconds it would take them or minutes to eat a 747. It's probably uh, <laughs> not long. First not they long. came for the 70, 747s and I said nothing. Then they came for the school right. buses. And now it's time to act. And did you st- did you still say nothing? Because the children are being eaten. That's <laughs> no, I, I couldn't say nothing because the spiders ate me already. <laughs> I gotcha. You were you were on the school bus. Now the problem no, we're, we're having here you guys, is that we're oh on the plane. Well, that 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 oh, ants on a plane. That's the new Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> movie coming out. Uh, not ants. Spiders. Spiders on a plane. Spiders they beat the plane. ants on the plane too. Um, the problem we're having here is that we aren't thinking big enough, and I I can't picture nineteen million jumbo jets really so let's do the empire state building all right that giant mass of steel and concrete weighs three hundred sixty-five thousand u.s tons it's a big old heavy building uh, that bit. is in and of itself hard to picture that so hopefully we can all picture like how large the empire state building is you know at least somewhat we've seen some pictures probably right maybe you've been there so if the building was edible Spiders could, even though it's so big, spiders could still eat 2,416 Empire State Buildings every year. What? Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. 2,416. I know. Can I, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's all so the spiders on the planet right? just going. It's true. Right? It's kind of a team, team effort. Mm-hmm. I mean that, and that that's that's several a day. I didn't do, I, I didn't break the math down. It's like it's like six Empire State Buildings a day, or something like that, or five or six. Like th- that would be a sight to behold. You know, they're 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 taking down one for breakfast essentially, and then snacking the rest of the day. And I mean, it's, it's there's a lot of spiders, you guys. You can there's have a, a little Empire State Building as a treat, right? <laughs> right. Like, no, we want the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, so this journal article uh, obviously doesn't have these numbers I'm throwing at you. There was just the, the estimate of how they came up with uh, the amount of food. Um, this is available open access online if you're curious and want to check it out. They had to think through all the different factors, such as like how many days of the year do spiders feed in different climates globally? Because like up here in Minnesota in the winter, you don't have spiders eating stuff outside, but you do in the summer. But down in Florida where Ellen is, there's like spiders eating year round, right? So they had to kind of figure out all the math and 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 uh, like compensate for all these different variables, which is really fascinating. And you can see why, you know, in the low end, there's uh, a 400 million ton wide difference between the high and the low side estimates. Uh, but it's a really cool example of scientists trying to wrap their mind around numbers and, and, and something that has been going on for millions of years here on Earth and try to sort of just make it something that we can uh, have some quantifiable numbers to, which is really cool. Uh, and Definitely. by the way, this is a final little thought. Uh, I just for fun, I looked up this last little tidbit uh, that this is even going on in your home, obviously. And sure, the density is much lower uh, in the average house than outside. I think outside it was like three, uh, no, it's 132 spiders per square meter or something like that. But in your house, there are around 62 spiders on average. People will hate that. So when rookie you, numbers. I know. When you, when you see one, be sure to thank them for eating all the insects that are trying to get into your home. Yeah. So that's what I have for them. you this week. Yeah. Co- say thank you. Cohabitate. Spiders are pretty awesome. And just be thankful. Like Ellen said, they don't eat 
you. Yeah, because imagine when you're imagining all of these uh, school buses and 747s, convert them into that amount of mass except made of insects. And then imagine mm -hmm. that right. that's what's in your house instead of the spiders. I think I'll take the spiders. I will take well, the luckily, spiders. Luckily, I don't have the mass of a 747 worth of insects in my house um, because really, yeah, I mean, you'd have to figure out I wonder, that's a different paper, I guess. How If you took the mass of a jumbo jet fully loaded worth of insects and spread them out, how much land, like how many square meters would that cover? Because hmm. uh, for the spiders, again, there was about 130, I think it was 131 uh, per square meter. That was one average, uh, kind of average. Some places are much higher, some places are lower. Um, but the average of, in, I bet the insect density is is even higher. It's going to be higher than the spider density. It so. would have to be. It's pretty wild. That's insane. Yeah, it would have to be. Well, you guys, yeah, it's spiders are super amazing. Uh, we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we'll get to hear what sort of amazing thing Ellen is going to tell us about. So, Kirk, you mentioned that, you know, I am down here in Florida where yeah. it, we don't have the same uh, harsh winters that you get up north. <laughs> Fair. I, I've Although heard. I, hear, I hear it's a little cool this week for you guys. This, but yeah. this winter in particular has been colder than winters in my recent memory. But yeah. typically, you know, springtime in Florida doesn't necessarily look like springtime up north. Uh, we don't get, right. you know, the melting snow. We don't get the thawing ice. Mm -hmm. um, but things are <laughs> yeah. heating up and not just in temperature. Ooh, so, I'm very bomb. interested. I'm going, yeah. by the way, I'm going to use this because my aunt and my uncle just moved to Florida a couple of years ago. Oh, exciting. And I very much like, I. they always ask me, how much snow? And they're always shocked and like, <laughs> you lived here. What are you talking about? <laughs> they're just flexing. That's just oh. flex. That's all. Right. I knew um, it. Yeah, they're just bragging. <laughs> but, so as things do get warmer in Florida, uh, alligators who are just waking up from a winter that they have just yeah. spent silently brumating along riverbanks and ponds. Uh, as the temperatures climb, they start to wake up a little bit. They start to stretch their legs. Uh, they've just come off of a couple months of beauty sleep. So they're looking their best. Mm -hmm. They're looking mm -hmm. fresh. They're looking cute. They're ready Love to it. hit the town and find a mate. So this is alligator mating season and male Ooh. alligators are especially theatrical in their displays. So they slap the water with their jaws. They like lift their tail up and slam it back down. They just put on a big show for any females who might be nearby and also for the males too, right? So that they can kind of flex a little bit, be like, you know, yeah, I'm, the, yeah. I'm the big gator in the pond. Um, but they also, I wanted to focus on a way that they signal their availability in a little bit of a more elegant way um, that you may not have necessarily seen if you don't spend a lot of time around gators. Um, okay. Male alligators, when they are submerged in water, if you've ever heard the sounds that alligators make, that sort of like bellowing, Ooh, I have. low it's so pitched, fun. Yeah. that rumbly, like growly. Growl. Yes. Yeah. So Ooh. they can make these bellowing sounds at infrasonic pitches. So at pitches that oh, are so cool. low that humans can't hear them. And it actually makes their body and then the water around them vibrate. 
What? And this vibration cool. causes ripples and waves to bounce around on the water's surface in these really like mesmerizing patterns. So you get those sort of oh, geometric wow. patterns on the water's surface. Yeah, yeah. If you watched um, the Rings of Power, there was mm -hmm. a the the like opening credits of that series involved these sort yeah. of like sand on like speakers effects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um. So that is an effect that is caused by Faraday waves that are a special kind of sound waves that the alligators are able to produce by the, the low pitch of their rumbling sound. Whoa. Um, and it causes like droplets to, to jump on the surface of the water. Very so you cool. get this sort of like, it almost looks like it's raining, but it's not. Um, and this is uh, what gives this performance the name of the water dance. So this is the alligator's water what? dance, which is a really that's cool so thing. cool. <laughs> it's cool because like you'll see this effect before you mm -hmm. hear the gator make the noise because oh, sure. like yeah. they're they're doing this at a sound, at a pitch that humans can't really hear, and then after they do this, then suddenly they'll you know erupt with the sort of roaring sound that is within a range you can hear. So it's a it's an interesting like build up. You see the 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 droplets, and then you hear the roar. It's really really cool. And they're starting low. It's like a yeah, it's a cool build up. It's really really neat. Who knew they were so operatic? Though, you they're know? very theatrical. Um, and I told when you, I will admit, when you said that they, they're you know, a bit fancy, I thought they were maybe, you know, getting a little charcuterie board together. But no, no, it's all about sound. Yeah, they actually just lay like cuts of meat and cheeses along their back. Uh, oh, yeah. Just that seems dangerous. To to take there. It's a trap, actually. It's how they catch prey. Not a lot of people know gotcha. that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I tell you about the water dance so that I can tell you a second story, uh, which right. is kind of the, the thing that I really wanted to, talk, to tell you about. This was back in 2007. Uh, Tampa Bay Times writer Jeff Klinkenberg was listening to an NPR report that mentioned alligators responding to a musical tune, which was a low B flat. So he decided huh, okay. that he wanted to replicate the 1944 experiment that had been the basis of that like assertion in the NPR report. So he decided he was going to test this by joining forces mm. with the uh, University of Florida hmm. alligator expert Kent Vliet and a Florida orchestra tuba player named William Mickelson. Amazing. And they got together. For a field Amazing. trip to Gatorland, which is a <laughs> of course theme park in Orlando. Um, I I don't. Mm, I'm gonna keep my opinions about it to myself. But it is a sure. theme Fair park enough. in Orlando that houses thousands of alligators, among other like captive wildlife. They have like crocodilians and capybaras and stuff. But the big thing sure, there is sure. gators. You go there to see gators. Um, so once they're there with all these thousands of gators, the tuba player plays a low B flat for the alligators. Nothing. They don't care. Hmm. They, hmm. You see them kind of like, eh, they're like kind of looking his way. Like, what's this guy doing? Eh, they don't really care. So they like repeated attempts at getting the gators to bellow back at them. And they're really not getting anything. So the tuba player starts to get tired. Because I don't know if you've ever played a tuba <laughs> or carried a tuba. I mean, I, I haven't, haven't, but I can, I can imagine it's uh, intensive. They are heavy. And he, uh, in, in the article, it mentioned that he had had a back injury some decades ago. And he was <laughs> starting to get really tired. So he Get this man a chair. He suggested, Why is he standing? 
I mean, he's a tuba player. He's apparently used to it. It's maybe not it was that a sousaphone, you know, maybe. Who oh, knows? this was a tuba. This was a tuba. Okay. Uh, so he suggests that maybe he could play lying down to allow the sound to travel through okay. the wood sure, of sure, the sure. boardwalk. So he's yeah, laying down on brilliant. his side with the tuba sort of laying down, facing the ground. <laughs> he's, he's spooning the tuba. And, right, I got it. I mean, you kind of have to spoon a tuba to play. <laughs> <laughs> So, you so kind of have to spoon to a tuba. Maybe the title of this episode, we'll see. <laughs> well, he's like, so he lays down and he is uh, playing the tuba into the wood of the boardwalk. And I'm just going to read directly from uh, the article that he wrote about this experience yeah, yeah. because this, well, I, it's poetic. He says, uh, the cheeks of the two musicians puffed out as if storing softballs. Though only a few clouds scudded <laughs> across the sky, we heard what sounded like thunder in the distance. It was a randy male alligator turned on by a tuba, telling the world that he was a stud. <laughs> then closer to us, Toxic, which is the name of, of the gator, one of the gators that was there, he started acting weird. He lifted his upper body out of the water while lowering the middle and raising his tail. So you have to imagine this looks kind of like a v shape um, that the skaters made okay yeah yeah though he barely moved a droplet spray Mm -hmm. exploded from the water covering his back the water dance till williams cried toxic let loose a roar that shook the earth so that is from uh, clinkenberg's tampa bay times article it is titled alligators in b flat gatorland's denizens roar in ecstasy which is why i couldn't read that title earlier because it would spoil everything i was going to tell you there you go (laughs) and they did note that the gators had a really strong response to the note but only to a very specific note and the note is b flat two octaves below middle c and that they had him like wow. doing runs and scales and like trying a bunch of yeah, other yeah. notes nearby and they did not care had it was just one, the b huh? flat two octaves below middle c that they cared about well it's it's very cool to have that study be replicated then that it's like right? yeah, no we agree the b flat is that's that's what they're into yeah and they had it had to be done in a very specific way that like they had to play it into the wood so that it would carry into the water that makes sense that yeah makes sense. and so it was it was just a really fascinating i find it hilarious like a very funny mental image to me that they had to like lug this tuba out into gator land <laughs> um oh, 100 percent Okay, but like, think about it though. Like, you're walking by and you see, like, you're just a passerby, for example, and you see a man laying down with a tuba playing a note. Like, how wild would that be? That is honestly such typical Florida behavior. I don't think it would register <laughs> with me at that's all. Just, that's just that's just Florida man. Like, that's not. Maybe this sort of thing you'd see it and be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure why not like, yeah they do that i guess seems about right yep. <laughs> it is such a average there's gary must be tuesday <laughs> i don't know i don't know how uh familiar y'all are with uh with gators but gators are definitely a point of pride for uh floridians and and they're they're kind of our babies we resonate with them a lot mm-hmm. and i imagine it would be uh really charming to come across a little gator serenade sure i've, I've seen a few gators when i've been down there they're uh they are Amazing creatures. It's such a treat. Whenever you get to see a gator, that's a good That'd be really cool. I'd love to see a gator. Not up here, but I I would love to see a gator in the wild. Oh, if you've got got a gator up there, you have bigger problems. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, you can find an alligator gar, but that's not really the same thing. That is not the same thing. It's still exciting. (laughs) 
that's what I have. After the break, we'll get to Rachel. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, So a little bit of a story. Um, Kirk, you're going to laugh at me, but it's fine. Uh, In February. Oh, great. In February 2022, uh, some Mm -hmm. New Zealand researchers for the National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research, they were doing Uh a trawling survey for population population purposes of a specific fish that has a lot of commercial use there called the hokey fish okay. uh when they right what an adorable name that's a cute um, name I li- I, it's got a friend called the pokey fish too 100 <laughs> percent uh when Terrible. as by catch they caught something very unexpected but super exciting in the net at about four thousand feet down so one thousand two hundred meters they caught a Oof. newly hatched chimera. Oh, yeah, like like okay. the like the not a shark but related to shark like that. Yeah, that one. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, Ellen knows cool. this is fabulous. We're going to talk about this today. I'm, am, am I? Do you think I was going to laugh at you because you were talking about a, a sea creature? Yeah. It, yeah. It's and also one that's ne- near Australia. <laughs> it, it's also known as the ghost shark, Kirk. Cool. <laughs> so, Ellen, if you didn't know, I, I love sharks a lot, and Australia just keeps giving, and so does the ocean. So <laughs> a lot of my topics end up being a combination of those things. No, you are um, correct to love sharks. They <laughs> rule. They're so cool. Um, Very cool. This is also known as the rat shark um, or rat fish. Not as good of a name? No, it's not. So I'm going to call it a ghost shark. Uh, especially Please since they tend to be really elusive. Um, so right. th- these babies usually stay around the seafloor uh, until like until they hatch, obviously. So they're in the egg capsules uh, and they lay until they hatch. Oh, little mermaid purse? Little mermaid purse. Oh, um, I love this. Okay. And this one they could tell was ha- freshly hatched because they found that its belly was still full of yolk. Oh, so gosh. it was super freshly hatched. Wow. Oh my God, um, so baby. scientists, the first thing it, was it did was baby. get hooked. Well, it was in a net. Oh, it was a net. Okay. It's a rookie yeah. mistake. It was like a long line. Truly. Yeah. It's a baby. Um, so there are about 52 known species of chimera. Uh, so scientists at NIWA are actually going to be doing genetic testing or have done genetic testing. Again, this yeah. was February 2022. Um, to figure out which species this one uh, is to compare so they can, because not a lot is known about uh, the juvenile stage of uh, Chimera. Uh, there's right. some species that are really well studied, some that are not. Mo- about half of the 52 species that we know about have been discovered in the last 20 years. So they're... Oh, okay. wow really not well known and the fact that they found a little tiny baby is so exciting um from what i could tell from the press releases they're planning on studying and potentially potentially raising this ghost shark to learn more about the biology and needs of the fish um especially since many of the species are still alive then as far as i know yeah yeah it was still alive oh cool yeah super cool um ellen you know what i'm talking about um 
and obviously you care, I care, we should all care. Uh, so I love this stuff. So we're going to talk about it. A uh, little bit of background why this is so astonishing. So I already told you a little bit about um, the fact that we don't generally see juveniles at all uh, in research. And we've only met like half the species in the last 20 years or discovered them, I guess. Um but they are fascinating. So ghost sharks are not actually sharks. They are in the family Chondrichthys, which is the shark and rays uh, family. So the family of uh, okay. cartilaginous fish. Um, they live anywhere. Are you ready for this range? Uh, from yep. 660 feet to 8,500 feet. So anywhere that's they feel like it. So <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty much. much. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> pretty much. So anywhere Ooh. in metric, that's 200 to 2,600 meters. Um, generally speaking, they are a deep sea fish. There are some species that like to be a little more shallower and everything. But for the most part, they tend to be more deep sea. Um, they look okay. bizarre. Um, so... How do, I'm going to try my best to describe them because this is an audio medium. So you picture a fish. It has a little more of a flat face. It has one gill on either side of their body, which already differentiates it from most sharks and rays. Right, um, right. Their upper jaw is actually another difference. Their upper jaw is fused to their skull. Fused to their skull. They have three permanent grinding plates in their mouths, so they don't lose their teeth like most sharks do. They don't have scales. They're smooth. And their eyes kind of have a reflective tissue that makes the eyes look like they glow in the dark. They're absolutely oh. weird. Um, they are very similar to, like, they have a wide head that kind of comes to a rounded taper. Uh, and they have, a lot of them have these very distinct lines that go around the eyes. And they have these really flat, almost wing-like uh, pectoral fins. And then it oh, tapers yeah, yeah. into something that looks like a rat's tail. Um, mm. Rather than a distinct They're bizarre fin, looking. Um, which is why they get that other name of rat shark. Um, because they actually don't use their tail like most sharks. I mean, they're not sharks, but they use their uh, pectoral fins that look like wings to actually like propel them through the water, which okay. is yeah, yeah. very similar to like a bird, which is crazy. Um, yeah, so it's like they have, I mean, uh, it's sort of like if you were swimming through the water only using your arms to kind of like, you know, do a breaststroke or something, you know, when you're going through that, it seems like that's kind of how exactly they move. I've witnessed yeah. it. Yeah. And I've seen it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's wild. We have seen, uh, I, I think the same species you're talking about, the Australian ghost shark, the, um, they're also mm -hmm. called an elephant fish, uh, cause of the face situation. Yeah. Um, but we saw one in the Monterey Bay aquarium where we went, oh, um, cool in last summer that's so cool yeah and this one really stood out to me like this one this uh chimera stood out to me out of all you know we saw so much at the aquarium that day and i remember making a note to my friend that i was there with about how peculiar they look when they swim 
because it's not mm-hmm. like other fish. With other fish, you know, they're kind of using their their tail to propel them through the water. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is they're definitely yeah. doing this flapping motion, which means that instead yeah. of just you know, with most other fish, you kind of see them going on the smooth trajectory forward. They're mm-hmm. kind of going in a mm-hmm. straight line forward. With them, it kind of looks like they're, they're zigzagging because they're kind of going sure. like yeah. up, down, up, down, up, down with every like stroke of the pectoral fins. It looks funky. It is really interesting to watch because I, I remember that being so like unusual that I, I noticed it when looking at the, them in the aquarium. I was like, what's their deal? <laughs> yeah, it would really stand oh, out. You're 100%. like, why is this different than every other animal's I almost, locomotion? I almost was worried that there was something wrong with it. It's so weird. Like, I thought there was something no, wrong. No, that's like, just how they move. Yeah. I was like, are you sick? Are you injured? Like, why is, this, <laughs> why is it swimming all weird? They're just like that. <laughs> Yep, it's so weird. And like they tend if they they also have a large pair of uh pelvic fins that help them swim that way too, but they primarily use their pectoral fins. So they're all butterfly. Mm. Um right. which is crazy. And then you can actually see um they have very um distinct lines on their body that is their lateral line system to detect mm-hmm. the vibrations of movement. I mean, if you are going to be that far down, uh, you're going to have, uh, you, you're going to need to be able to detect, uh, detect vibrations and movement really well. Yep, yep. Um, you would think that they would, um, you know, that would be enough, uh, but it's not. Uh <laughs> Some species um, can they? Okay, I'm just gonna come out and say it. They <laughs> what do you go what are you from anywhere for? from <laughs> they go they go anywhere from 4.9 feet in length. Uh, there have been some there have been some reports that they can be up to like seven or eight feet oh wow okay pretty good size so they they have uh it's called deep sea gigantism i saw that and i was i was a little nervous <laughs> because uh that is large it doesn't look like it's, it's going more to than be a large, rachel but they're they're big yeah it's more but than a lot a of that a lot of that is going to be that like very tapered tail oh 100 so i gotta imagine they're, yeah. they're not going to look as big as they really are if that makes sense Mm-hmm. Um, but it, oh, they just it, I didn't I didn't like that. It was just <laughs> sometimes like I like those types of things, but most of the time when I, I find out that it's um something that is bigger than you. Some species that can grow more than six feet, like I don't like that. <laughs> it's intimidating. Um anyway. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating. Um so they do use, they're a black or brownish gray, uh, depending on the species. Um, they also have a venomous spine in front of their dorsal fin. Hmm. Okay. So they are able to use that for defense uh, if something tries to come and eat them. Um, yeah, which is absolutely crazy. Um <laughs> One thing that is a big difference, so a lot of them look like sharks. People mistake them for sharks all the time. Like one of their common names is ghost shark. Um, 
but uh, though they resemble them very much, uh, what they do for reproduction is a bit different. Uh, females will lay eggs with leathery cases like mermaid purses, like we've talked about. However, the male chimeras, what they will do is they have a retractable, retractable like sex sex organ on their forehead and mm. and, That's and not front where of I thought that was going. Okay. Fins. On their yeah. forehead. So they're it yeah. The so remix. they're able to like they're uh, yeah. So they're able to like insert fertilize the female and then remove it and not worry about it. Hmm. The yeah. nickname they should have a different nickname, frankly, but we're not gonna go there. <laughs> no, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> it's a family show. <laughs> um yeah, and generally speaking, like uh, they've been around for a very, very long time. Um, yeah. They've been they've thought that they've been around for about four hundred and twenty million years or so, uh, but we're still learning a lot more because there's not a ton of gray fossils that are around. Um, sure, but they're really ancient fish, and they definitely look like a ancient precursor to sharks of some sort but like mm -hmm. they're not because they're not sharks it's it's fascinating i just found this um particularly intriguing uh this particular species uh or not this particular species but this group of uh cartilaginous right. fish and i i needed to share it with you all because they look bizarre because you can't see all of their lateral lines which is weird um yeah, we'll get some uh, some some but, photos up on Instagram too for everyone to see. Oh, they'll be up on Instagram. But I just I wanted to share it, and I figured uh, Ellen, you would appreciate it too. Uh, Love a good deep so, sea weirdo. Yeah. They're all so weird, and it's amazing. Ugh. Big fan yeah, of everything that's going to, on down there. People want to travel like other planets. Could there be other life in the universe? And it's like, have you looked in the ocean? Because like. <laughs> It's, oh, one hundred percent. You never know what you're going to find down there. down there. Yeah, so many uh, cool things. Uh, but that's what I have for you both today. Amazing. Awesome. Uh, Thank just, you. Yeah, and if I have counted correct, yes, one, two, three. Uh, that's the there end of go. our show. But before we go, do you have anything you'd like to plug, Ellen? I do. So I have a podcast about animals, like I mentioned at the top. It is just the zoo of us. Uh, it is on the Maximum Fun Network, so you can find it on MaximumFun.org. Um, and I should also say it's family friendly. Um, you know, we like to, uh, you know, in, incorporate our own geeky sense of humor, uh, make a lot of video game and, you know, anime and stuff references. But uh, it is all completely listenable with kids around so if you like to listen with your kids you can head over and, and join the fun that being said you know it is definitely still a science communication show uh so we we it's not necessarily the sort of thing where it is all going to be completely at you know maybe an elementary level of understanding we do talk about scientific papers and and things like that so you know it's you kind of get a little bit there's something for everybody i think <laughs> that's awesome and that's over at just the um 
we're on social media facebook twitter instagram we have a cool discord server that's really really fun everybody's nice and fun to talk to on there so um links to everything is is all on our website it's so it's all over at just the zoo of us.com i think it's a good uh good landing spot well i hope most people listening to our show understand the physics and and um i don't know physics understand the mechanics behind finding podcasts otherwise Right, uh, like you're already here. here. <laughs> you know where to find yeah. podcasts, you guys. You're literally staring at your we phone or whatever device right now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll include links in our social media posts too for uh, just be, the zoo of us, so you can find. There'll be it. a link in the description of the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Sweet. Yeah. So that's all we have for you all today. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange.